Alrighty, let's jump right into it. Matthew 17, verse 20 says, And Jesus said unto them, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, If ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. It's probably a verse that you're going to hear a couple times, or you have heard a couple times over the month while we're really focusing on faith, but I think it deserves a couple times in the light, amen? There's something about this verse. If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, it puts a very specific measurement on this amount of faith that you can move mountains with. Makes you really think about what you're capable of with that little bit of faith, amen? For just a couple minutes, I'd like to talk to you just on the topic potential. Uh, Stacy, if you could pray for this service. Amen, you may be seated tonight. If we were to look at some of our biblical heroes, um, I bring them up a lot just because growing up, as I was reading through the Bible, these, were, these specific men stuck out to me a lot. I've said it before, they became my heroes, men that did extraordinary things in their walk with God that I couldn't count as anything less than heroic. I know nowadays we've got all the comic books, we've got Marvel's Avengers and DC's Justice League, but there was something about these men, these real men that did things that I couldn't possibly even fathom that just stood out to me every time I read it. I looked at these men as my heroes. So when I talk about them up here, you have to know my reverence and respect for them. And when I look at their origin stories, I see a lot of choices that I might not have made as far as God's choices for these men and their walk in their lives because of where they started. Let's, talk, let's take Gideon, for example. In the book of Judges, chapter 6, we find the Israelites in a bad situation. The Midianites were camped all around them. They were stealing anything that they tried to grow or make, and they vastly outnumbered the Israelites. Kind of a hopeless situation. But in verse 11, we find Gideon. Verse 11 says, And there came an angel of the Lord and sat under an oak which was in Oprah that pertained unto Joash the Abazarite, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. So we find our hero, our biblical big good guy, hiding behind some barrels, threshing some wheat to hopefully not be seen by his enemy because he's scared as he should be. It's seemingly a hopeless situation. But our hero of this chapter in the book of Judges, we find for the first time hiding. The angel calls him in verse 12, if we could pop that up. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. See, we see Gideon hiding behind a barrel. God sees somebody with a little mustard seed of faith. Something that we didn't see and I would have never guessed. If I saw Gideon, I wouldn't have said, you're a mighty man of valor. I would have said, I mean, you're a little bit of a coward, but I understand. I'd probably do the same thing in your situation. But God saw something a little bit different. God saw a little seed, a little start of faith, something that he could use to change the world around Gideon. And with a little bit of pushing, they won a victory that you would not believe. At first, they started with a couple thousand men and Gideon seemed like he was, he was getting on to this after God had convinced him of it. And then they got cut down, and they got cut down. God said, no, the miracle's going to be a little bit bigger than you're thinking. And with 300 men with some lamps, God said, I'm going to go ahead and take care of this huge army all around you with 300 men and some lamps, and you're 
mustard seed of faith. That's what my God can do with just a little mustard seed of faith. I mean, there's potential in your faith today. What about Moses? He murdered a man in Egypt, fleed to the wilderness, and when God spoke to him out of a burning bush, he complains and makes excuses. And immediately you think, really? This guy? This is the one. This is who you want to lead all of your people out of Egypt. He doesn't seem like much of a leader to me. He doesn't seem like the kind of person that I would want to have this millions of people follow me through the desert. I just, I wouldn't choose that guy. But where I saw somebody that was making excuses and complaining and not really the leader type, God saw a little bit of faith. God saw something that he could use because Moses became that person in Exodus to lead the entire nation of Israel out of Egypt, to lead them to the promised land for 40 years in the wilderness. That's a leader. What about Paul, the man that held the coats of those that stoned a preacher, a man on a mission to destroy Christianity as a whole? That guy, the one who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament and evangelized more than anyone ever has or probably ever will without any form of technology, no way to get there through plane or car, that guy, that guy that we saw try to destroy Christianity, God said, I've got a little bit of a different plan for you. He stopped him on the road one day and said, hey, just so you know, the one that you're persecuting, the one that you're really going against when you go against these people, that's me. That's your God. My name is Jesus, and I'm turning you around today. Where I saw anything but a Christian, an evangelist, God saw a little bit of faith. God saw some potential in this man that was doing the unspeakable. We could go on and on about different men in the Bible that all started out with anything but amazing origin stories, but with a little bit of faith, there was so much potential in their walk with God. Could you put Romans 12, 13 up there? For I say, through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he thought than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. This isn't limited to the men in the Bible. When I, uh, when I was younger, I used to look at these men at the Bible and think that it was so out of reach, that these things that they did, the people that they become, were just beyond whatever I could possibly ever amount to, beyond anything that I could possibly dream of. But if you read Romans 12.3 and you think about the potential of faith, it says, how many people got a measure of faith? Every single one of us. It's not as if I wasn't given the same thing Gideon was. It's not as if I wasn't given the same thing Moses was. Everybody starts out somewhere. Yes, your faith can grow and it will, but everybody has the exact same potential when we start. And it's up to me to use it. Amen. We all have the potential to be powerful in the kingdom of God. We need to utilize it. We need to utilize the little faith that we're given at first and grow it into something else. Yeah, we're not up against militaries, Egyptians, Midianites, any of that, but we're in a battle for our souls, for our families' souls, for the souls of this city. And in each of us is the potential to change the world around us. Uh, Muhammad Gandhi, a devout, uh, everybody should know him, is a devout Hindu believer when reading the Bible and talking to a group of missionaries, Christian missionaries that came up to him, he said, you Christians look after a document containing enough dynamite to blow all civilization to pieces, turn the world upside down, 
and bring peace to a battle-torn planet, but you treat it like just another piece of literature. A devout believer in another religion read our Bible and said, I see potential here that's not being utilized. I see a Bible, I see a book that can literally change your planet and nobody's doing anything with it. Where's the potential gone? Why hasn't this happened? I can see the potential and I don't believe in your God, but there's something there and it's not being used. I don't want to waste this thing God has given me. It's time to utilize this potential that we have as faith-filled Christians. If we do anything less than that, then at the end of our days, when I come to the end of my line, all I'll hear is, you wicked and slothful servant, I gave you a piece of this thing and you did nothing with it. I don't want to be that guy at the end. I fully intend to kneel before God and hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want him to put a crown of glory on my head as I dance in front of him forever and ever, saying, Jesus, holy, holy Father. I have no intention to be lost at the end. Amen. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty, through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Ephesians 3 verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. That little bit of faith that we started out with is able to do something. Once we let it grow, once we let God become a part of us in our lives, according to that power that worketh in us, it says exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. If you think that you know a limitation, if you think today that you have a certain place that you're supposed to be, God has another plan for you entirely. You have no idea what the power working in you is capable of. If you would just utilize this little bit bit of faith. God has a plan to shake the world around you. I believe if we truly begin to understand our potential and fully obey God, because it starts with obedience, I can never grow my faith. I can never grow as who I am as a Christian without obedience to God, step by step, and his plan for us. If I don't take his will and run with it, if I don't read my Bible every single day and say, if you say go, I'll go. If you say stay, I'll stay. I want to be in your will and obedient that my faith will never be more than exactly what I started with. Amen? But I believe if we did, if we fully obeyed God, if we allowed our faith to grow, if we utilized this potential, there would be a group of people in Palmer Pentecostal Church that would become a force to be reckoned with, a people that would lay hands on the sick and see them healed, people that would spread the gospel in every situation of life regardless of what was going on around them, people that just could not shut up about the gospel of Christ and had to say something, people that could lead this generation to the truth. And when those people show up to church at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning and begin pre-service prayer, I believe the angels will start to listen in and the gates of hell will shake because a few people realize the potential that they had when God said, I'm giving you a little bit of faith. Run with it. Do something because I'm not going to put any limitations on you. Those people start praying for their families to get saved and they show up to church. Those people start praying for their marriages to be repaired and suddenly there's a peace beyond all understanding in their lives. Those people say, God, 
God, I need you to heal my family now. And all of a sudden the doctors say, we can't understand what happened. But there's something else going on here. There's a miracle at play. Who are you and what God do you believe in? You would be amazed at the things God is willing to do when you utilize the potential of faith that he put inside of you from the very beginning. In closing, I just want to point out a couple people that I recognize as a kid, people that I saw become things that they never expected. I saw Stacy, who, Brother Stacy has been here since I was a little kid. Ever since I started here, just as a little boy, my mom came into church, Stacy was there. He's never been one to love the limelight. He doesn't like to be seen or heard in any capacity. He just wants to be a servant. It's an amazing thing. But I watched him become a outreach director here. I watched him become the biggest force of outreach that I've gotten a chance to see. He has such a heart for souls that I couldn't have even imagined. And I guarantee you, if you asked him 20 years ago, how'd you feel about being the outreach director at Palmer Pentecostal Church? He would have thought you were nuts. But with a little potential, a little seed of faith, God said, I'm going to reach Palmer through you. There won't be a single person, a single door untouched because I've got a plan for you today. I saw Brother Playle become the assistant pastor of Palmer Pentecostal Church. I saw David, a kid that I grew up with, become a preacher. I saw every single person's lives changed in this place and I don't want to see it stop. There are people today that haven't utilized exactly what God's given them. I urge you today, obey. Get a little bit closer to God because there's another outreach director in here somewhere. There's another person that's going to go into hospitals, lay hands on people and say in the name of Jesus and shake the world around them. Do not waste it today. There is potential in every single one of you. Thank you.
talking in my mind and said, if you're ever going to reach what's going to get you out of here, you're going to have to shed some weight. You're going to have to get rid of some things that are holding you down. So I said, okay. So immediately, I took off the rifle. I took off the pack. I took off the chest players, and I threw them up on top, and I jumped. And I'd like to tell you, I got a hold of that break, but I didn't. I thought, oh, no. Here I am now without anything, and I still can't reach what I thought I could reach. So I keep jumping. And finally, I get a hold of that brick. And I got a hold of that brick so tight. If it was going to fall, I was going to fall holding on to it. You know what I'm talking about? When you finally get a hold of something, when you finally get a hold of something you've been looking for for so long, something you've been trying to get a hold of, something you, you it was in within eyesight, it was within your mind, and you knew you could get there, you'd be okay. If you knew you could get a hold of it, you'd be all right. I'm telling you, I got a hold of that hold of brick. I held on for dear life. I held on for life. I pulled myself, and I pulled myself, and I finally got to the top. I laid there, and I thought, you've got to be kidding me. Six hours to get out of that? You've got to be kidding me. I was hanging on for dear life for 20 or 30 minutes. I couldn't feel my arms. I couldn't feel nothing. But I said, you know, well, then I know I'm trying to get to you. Just when you think you're at your wit's end, just when you think there's no hope left, just when you've got rid of everything you can get rid of, just when you thought, if I throw this overboard like Jonah did, I'll be okay. If I throw that overboard like the man on that boat down, I'll be okay. And things are still falling apart. I'm talking about being at the end of your rope. Hang on, my friend. You don't know what's holding on to you. You don't even know how you're making it, how you're still standing, how you're still here. But there's something you've got to hold on.
talks about making obedience here. It says, she laid everything down her life. God spared her family, her children, everybody in her life. Now, she was in the lineage of Jesus Christ, you mentioned earlier. Not, not her. Not, surely not her. Surely not him. Surely not that. Surely not that one who doesn't smell too good. Surely not the one who just doesn't think like me. Surely not those people. Surely not the homeless man on the border. It started in Rahab's house for her. And it started in my 